If you're tired of these promos, supporters get the podcast early and ad-free. Just go to donate.bogosity.tv for the links to sign up. Welcome to the Bogosity Podcast for the week of September 6, 2020. The podcast that made an omelet without breaking eggs. This is your host, Shane Killian. A lot has been going on over the last couple of weeks, but most importantly, we have the recent shootings during riots in Kenosha, Wisconsin, about which there's been a ton of bogosity, particularly over a 17-year-old kid named Kyle Rittenhouse, so much that we really need to dedicate an episode to it to try and clear it all up. Just for a quick bit of background, although this may deserve its own separate coverage since basically both sides are spreading bogosity about what happened, but this all started when an unarmed black man, Jacob Blake, was shot by police seven times in the back for, survey says, resisting arrest. Blake is now paralyzed from the waist down. Although the investigation is ongoing, the officer who shot him, Officer Rustin Chesky, is enjoying the full support of the police union, and as we've covered in the past with other similar cases, will almost certainly enjoy qualified immunity. It's a shame that this act of homicide by a cop, deserving of a lot of attention, is being overshadowed by what came next. So, protests followed, which turned into riots, cars damaged, buildings burned, looting, the whole nine yards... Among the videos in the show notes is a video compiled by Colian Noir showing the vandalism and violence of the rioters, whom, of course, the press calls protesters. But by that time, the actual peaceful protesters had already dispersed, chased off by the rioters. Two of the places vandalized were mechanics, who called for people to come and help protect their property from the vandals and looters. Kyle Rittenhouse was one of them. He was given a Smith & Wesson M&P 15 Sport 2 OR, a low-caliber semi-automatic chambered in 223 Remington. It's a modern sporting rifle similar in design to the Colt AR-15. Some gun experts examining the footage say it looks like it had a red dot sight. Most of his day seems to have gone relatively peacefully, with him doing things like cleaning up graffiti and using his first aid training to help others injured by the mob. Richard McGinnis, a reporter with the Daily Caller, had interviewed Rittenhouse, who said, quote, So people are getting injured, and our job is to protect this business. Part of my job is also to help people. If there's somebody hurt, I'm running into harm's way. That's why I have my rifle, because I have to protect myself, obviously. I also have my med kit. The mob engaged with Rittenhouse and the other protectors, who have been stylized by the media as a militia, with one of the mob Joseph Rosenbaum yelling, Shoot me, N-word! Shoot me, N-word! Obviously attempting to provoke a violent reaction. It's tough to figure out the actual timeline, but soon after, Rosenbaum advanced on Rittenhouse, and, even after being warned off, tried to grab Rittenhouse's gun, which he was unable to do because Rittenhouse had it strapped over his back. Rittenhouse then fired at Rosenbaum, killing him. Grage Grosskreutz, who we'll get to in a minute, was in a place where he could not possibly witness the first shooting. Rittenhouse runs off, getting on his cell phone, and tells someone about the incident, although it's unclear if he was talking to emergency services or someone else. While he's running, the rioters give chase. They can be heard shouting, Beat him up! Get him! Get that dude! And get his ass! Among other such things. One of them hit Rittenhouse, and another threw a plastic bag with something heavy inside, possibly a brick, maybe a jar, 
Some online have claimed this is a Molotov cocktail, but there appears to be no truth in that. After running about two or three blocks, a guy named Anthony Huber runs after him. Rittenhouse trips and falls, and Huber catches up with him. Huber has a skateboard in his hand and starts beating Rittenhouse with it and also tries to grab Rittenhouse's gun. So Rittenhouse shoots him, Hubert staggers away, and falls to the ground. Just a general life tip. If a guy is armed with a loaded rifle, it's a bad idea to try and beat him over the head with a skateboard. Apparently some people need to be told this. Something else that's important, the first two were grabbing for Rittenhouse's gun. If they'd gotten it, there's no telling what they would have done with it. He had every reason to believe they intended bodily harm. Grosskreutz, who, you'll recall, did not witness the first shooting, and therefore is only taking the mob's word that he is an aggressor, then advances on Rittenhouse, but Rittenhouse points his gun at him, warning him off. After backing off with his hands raised, Grosskreutz then draws a handgun and advances on Rittenhouse, who fires, striking him in the arm. Later, in the hospital, Grosskreutz said that his only regret is not killing the kid and hesitating to pull the gun before emptying the entire mag. Hey, wait a minute! I thought these protesters were supposed to be unarmed! All three had criminal backgrounds, by the way. Rittenhouse didn't, unless you count a couple of speeding tickets. Rosenbaum was a convicted child offender on the sex offender registry and had also been convicted of multiple accounts of domestic abuse and disorderly conduct. Huber has a record of several accounts of domestic abuse, disorderly conduct, use of a dangerous weapon, and even strangulation and suffocation. Grosskreutz was convicted of carrying a firearm while intoxicated and has also been charged with felony, burglary, and theft. It was against the law for Grosskreutz to be in possession of a firearm. Rittenhouse then gets up and backs away, rifle at the ready. But when he realizes he's no longer being pursued, he walks off to where the police are. His hands are raised, although whether it's in surrender or he's just waving down the police is unclear. He has a small conversation with them, which is difficult to make out, but they offered a bottle of water which they tossed to him and then said, We appreciate you guys. We really do. Rittenhouse then walked off and went home. The videos make it clear he attempted to disengage every chance he had and only fired selectively and when necessary. In fact, there were a couple of times someone made a threatening move to him, he pointed his gun, they backed away, and he didn't shoot. He only shot when they engaged in attacking him. That is not the story you'll get from the news media, but we'll get to all that later. As for the legality of what Rittenhouse was doing, Robert Barnes, who went to law school in Wisconsin and is licensed to practice law in Wisconsin, made a lot of points. They make a big deal that Rittenhouse crossed state lines to go there. What difference does that make? None. They say Rittenhouse wasn't defending his community. Legally, that's irrelevant, but it's also not true. Rittenhouse was defending his community, since there is an overlap with Kenosha and his home in Antioch, Illinois. It's basically a suburb of Kenosha, being right across the border, and they even share things like public transit routes. They claim it's illegal for someone under 18 to carry a firearm in Wisconsin, but certain exceptions apply, and one of those is that, if you're over 16, you are allowed to carry a long gun. Some make a big deal out of the fact that it was intended for hunting purposes, but the law doesn't actually restrict it to hunting. 
Our Constitution was written for kids like him to be out defending people when they're under attack. When the Second Amendment was written, the militia included people as young as 14. If you're 17 years old, you can join the army and go kill people overseas, but you can't defend your own neighborhood? Self-defense is not an affirmative defense in Wisconsin. He does not have to prove it. The prosecutor has to prove the lack of self-defense beyond all reasonable doubt. And finally, grabbing at someone's gun generally counts under the law as the person being armed. That's all from a lawyer who knows Wisconsin law, and yet Rittenhouse, whose actions are probably the clearest case of self-defense you could possibly ask for, has had a criminal complaint filed against him for first-degree murder. We'll get into the details of that later on, but his attorney, Pierce Bainbridge, released a statement in which he said he was honored to represent Rittenhouse. He accuses the Kenosha mayor and Wisconsin governor of failing to provide a basic degree of law in order to protect the citizens and property in Kenosha. Quote, The city burned as mobs destroyed buildings and property, and looters stole whatever they wanted. Rioters defaced storefronts and many other public and private locations across the city. Substantially after the city's 8 p.m. curfew expired without consequence, the police finally started to attempt to disperse a group of rioters. In doing so, they maneuvered a mass of individuals down the street toward the auto shops. Kyle and others on the premises were verbally threatened and taunted multiple times as the rioters passed by, but Kyle never reacted. His intent was not to incite violence, but simply to deter property damage and use his training to provide first aid to injured community members. Kyle fully cooperated with police both then and later that night when he turned himself into the police in his hometown, Antioch, Illinois. Kyle did nothing wrong. He exercised his God-given constitutional, common law, and statutory law right to self-defense. This was not a serious investigation. Rather, after learning Kyle may have had conservative political viewpoints, they immediately saw him as a convenient target who they could use as a scapegoat to distract from the Jacob Blake shooting and the government's abject failure to ensure basic law and order to citizens. A 17-year-old child should not have to take up arms in America to protect life and property. That is the job of state and local governments. However, those governments have failed, and law-abiding citizens have no choice but to protect their own communities as their forefathers did at Lexington and Concord in 1775. Kyle is not a racist or a white supremacist. He is a brave, patriotic, compassionate, law-abiding American who loves his country and community. He did nothing wrong. He defended himself, which is a fundamental right of all Americans given by God and protected by law. He is now in the crosshairs of institutional forces that are much more powerful than him, but he will stand up to them and fight not only for himself, but for all Americans and their beloved Constitution. We will never leave his side until he is victorious in that fight. Numerous people on the internet attempted to raise money to fund his defense, but these were terminated by GoFundMe and other sites, and Discover has blocked credit card donations. So these organizations apparently don't believe that everyone has the right to the best legal defense available. Fortunately, another organization, Fight Back Foundation Inc., a Texas 501c4 foundation, was able to raise the money. His extradition hearing is on the 25th. Best of luck to him. (laughs) 
If you're looking for ways to support this channel, but you don't have any spare cash and you can't stand advertisements, you can do so by generating your own cryptocurrency. Use the links at the bottom of the description to listen to the podcast and all of my videos on BitTube.tv or LBRY.tv to get cryptocurrency for the creator and yourself. Or if you listen to the podcast at the podcast page, you'll also generate crypto. You can also go to airtime.bogosity.tv to get the airtime extension and generate crypto for yourself and the creators on the web anywhere you go, including my YouTube channel. Get five tubes free just for installing the extension and signing up, and then simply browse the web as normal. Easily monetize your favorite creators and yourself with cryptocurrency without advertising on BitTube.tv or LBRY.tv or with the Airtime extension at Airtime.Pagosity.tv. And now it's time to ingratiate this week's biggest bogan emitter. And this week it goes to the news media in general for how they covered all of this, completely misrepresenting everything that happened in ways that can be debunked simply by watching the unedited videos. So, for example, MSN wrote, Rittenhouse used an AR-15-style rifle to shoot and kill Joseph Rosenbaum, 36, and Anthony Huber, 26, and injure Gage Grosskreutz, 26, shortly before midnight along Sheridan Road, where protesters went after being expelled from Civic Center Park during clashes with law enforcement. Now, given everything you've learned in the previous segment, isn't it obvious why they left out the parts they did? No mention about how his actions were in any way self-defense, and that is fairly typical of how the news media presented this. But it actually gets worse. When Tucker Carlson actually dared to mention that what Rittenhouse did was obvious self-defense, numerous media figures called for him to be fired. Carlson said, quote, Are we really surprised that looting and arson accelerated to murder? How shocked are we that 17-year-olds with rifles decided they had to maintain order when no one else would? Nicole Hannah-Jones, creator of the New York Times' blatantly negationist 1619 project, tweeted, He just justified murder. Uh, no, he just did the opposite. Robert Reich, a name very familiar to regulars, tweeted, If they don't take action after this, every one of Fox News' executives, directors, and advertisers is complicit in Tucker Carlson's racist, murderous rants. What about it could possibly be racist? Brian Tyler Cohen tweeted a list of Carlson's advertisers and said, quote, You all just paid for Tucker Carlson to defend a murderer on air. As a result, major advertisers like Gabby Insurance, Sure Payroll, and Grayscale have announced they're pulling ads from Carlson's show. And by the way, Twitter has left up all of the tweets calling Rittenhouse a murderer and a domestic terrorist, which could absolutely be considered libelous, but took down the tweets of those claiming he acted in self-defense. But at this point, what do you expect? This CBS News story covering this said, Cell phone video taken during the protest showed what appeared to be a white man with a semi-automatic rifle opening fire into a group. Rittenhouse is Latino, by the way. The three guys he shot were white. And, of course, he didn't fire into the group. He specifically fired at the men attacking him and was very careful not to fire on anyone else. CNN political analyst April Ryan tweeted, 
Christian fundraising site Give, Send, Go has earned over 250000 for Kenosha killer Kyle Rittenhouse. So evangelicals have gone from turning a blind eye to racism to raising money for a murderer? And if you're pro-life, why raise money for a killer? Well, first of all, because it was 100% obviously self-defense. Second, this is for his legal fund. Are you saying he doesn't deserve a competent defense team? You're against the right to legal counsel? In a series of tweets, Mark Joseph Stern of Slate said, At this moment, conservative media figures are crafting a narrative that black people attempting to disarm a white vigilante who was, one, illegally brandishing an assault weapon after, two, shooting someone in the head deserve to get shot. It is racist and it is sickening. What's sickening, Stern, is you telling lies about the race of the people involved to push your narrative. We saw the usual suspects begin developing this narrative yesterday by framing Kyle Rittenhouse's victims as bloodthirsty assailants rather than rightly frightened civilians trying to stop him from murdering more people with an assault weapon. Now it's their party line. Vile. Yes, your lies are vile. His so-called victims were bloodthirsty assailants, and the video shows that clearly. By this morning, the narrative began firming up. The men trying to disarm Rittenhouse, who crossed state lines with an assault weapon he possessed illegally, then shot someone in the head, were actually just attacking him, and Rittenhouse had a right to shoot them too. No, Stern, he did not cross state lines with the weapon, and he was not possessing it illegally. But you see what he's doing? He's poisoning the well by making the truth out to be the narrative crafted by the other side so he can get away with crafting a bogus narrative of his own. The thread continues, but you get the idea. It's blatant race baiting, lying about the narrative to paint Rittenhouse as a racist who murdered black people as opposed to being someone who is clearly defending himself against violent attackers who happen to be white, by the way, and also just so happen to be convicted criminals. But here's Stern, like all of his ilk, trying to get ahead of things because the truth doesn't conform to the narrative he and most others in the news media want to establish. So a Latino shooting three whites in self-defense becomes a white person murdering three blacks. Disgusting. I'm just going to give you this headline from Mike. John Oliver explains how the RNC can spawn extremists like Kyle Rittenhouse. And Snopes, oh, how the mighty have fallen. Really, Snopes, you used to be so great. You used to have no fear about digging under all the claims to get to the facts. But this time, I'm sorry, but you phoned it in. For example, quote, On August 25, 2020, the footage showed 17-year-old Rittenhouse firing at protesters with an AR-15-style firearm after being chased in Kenosha. He was not legally old enough to wield an assault rifle in that state. As we've discussed, this is not what happened. And the AR-15 isn't an assault rifle, and neither is the rifle he was carrying. If you can't even get that right, then where is the Snopes I used to love? As for the rest of it, Snopes wouldn't have made that mistake if they just watched the videos. But the only video they linked to, and apparently the only one they watched, was a heavily edited version that only shows a couple of minutes of what happened. 
They link to a video from the Washington Post, which only shows a few seconds interspersed with very biased verbiage. For example, protesters gathered at a gas station where armed citizens were present, but self-declared militia members and counter-protesters descended on the city. So the rioters were protesters who gathered, but the armed citizens descended. See how they manipulate you with the words they choose? And they didn't just gather, they accosted and attacked the armed defenders. Again, all Snopes had to do was watch the unedited footage and they would have seen how wrong they are. And you don't even want to know how difficult it was for me to find out what kind of rifle it was that Rittenhouse used, the Smith & Wesson M&P 15 Sport 2OR. Every news article that I found that mentioned the rifle kept going out of their way to work in the term AR-15, which is a Colt rifle. I couldn't even find it in the police reports. I had to read a thread on a gun forum. All right, let's get some facts straight here. Fact. He did not cross state lines with a gun. It was given to him after he was there when he was asked to help protect two mechanics shops by the owners. Rioters had smashed and burned several of the cars the night before. Fact. He works in Kenosha. It's about a 20-minute drive for him, and he was there helping clean up a school the rioters damaged the night before. And also, those couple of speeding tickets I mentioned, they were in Kenosha which shows that he actually does go there a lot. Fact. He was not a white supremacist. As much as his social media has been scoured and scrutinized, if there were any indication of him being a white supremacist or even a simple racist, we certainly would have seen it. Fact. Many of the rioters, including the three he shot, all lived a greater distance away from the gas station than Rittenhouse. Fact. Sixteen shots were fired by the mob, and the first guy he shot was trying to take his gun. Fact. He didn't shoot anyone who hadn't already attacked him. Fact. One of the victims, as he himself later admitted, was trying to shoot him with a pistol. Fact. He's not a member of any militia group. We've seen over and over again that the news media cannot be trusted. And this isn't a Trump thing. This podcast has been going on regularly for almost 10 years now. In all that time, we've consistently covered how the news media fails and fails and fails again at its basic job, to give people true and factual information. So all of that once again makes the news media this week's biggest bogan emitter. I want to tell you about the eyeglasses I've been wearing for years. As people can see on my videos, I have a very strong prescription, which makes glasses more expensive, especially when I need computer glasses, reading glasses, prescription sunglasses, and most expensively, progressive lenses for general everyday wear. To save money while still getting quality glasses, I get them from Fermu. In fact, I just got a pair of progressives with high-index aspherical lenses and a nice pair of frames my wife loves for just over $100. It would have been $500 to get them through my eye doctor. Not only do they look good, the glasses are durable. I've worn many pairs for several years without problems. All orders come with a 30-day return policy, a 3-month warranty, and one-on-one -on -one customer service. 
Go to Firmu, that's F-I-R-M-O-O dot Bogosity dot TV anytime you need quality glasses at a low price. Once again, that's Firmu dot Bogosity dot TV. And now let's demythologize this week's Idiot And this week, it goes to the Kenosha County DA, and in particular, Assistant District Attorney Carly McNeil. This has to do with the bogus charges they've brought against Rittenhouse, which were first-degree reckless homicide, use of a dangerous weapon, first-degree recklessly endangering safety, use of a dangerous weapon, first-degree intentional homicide, use of a dangerous weapon, attempt first-degree intentional homicide, use of a dangerous weapon, First-degree recklessly endangering safety, use of a dangerous weapon. And possession of a dangerous weapon by a person under 18. The criminal complaint is electronically signed by Assistant DA Carly McNeil and Deputy DA Angelina Gabrielle. Now, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I am going to hit a few highlights. For example, quote, The defendant can clearly be seen holding a long gun, which was later recovered by law enforcement and identified as a Smith & Wesson AR-15 style .223 rifle. That is not how you identify a gun, people. But notice that even the assistant DA is going out of her way to use the term AR-15. Following the defendant is Rosenbaum. Yeah, notice how he's following him, not chasing him like he really was doing. The video shows that as they cross the parking lot, Rosenbaum appears to throw an object at the defendant. The object does not hit the defendant, and a second video shows, based on where the object landed, that it was a plastic bag. That is complete and total crappioca pudding. If you throw a plastic bag, it only goes a few feet and then is stopped by the air pressure. Not only that, but if you freeze the video, you can clearly see that there's an object inside the plastic bag. Although you can't tell what it is, it's clearly heavy enough to make the plastic bag fly in its ballistic arc. Throwing something like that at someone absolutely can be considered intent to cause bodily harm. Rosenbaum appears to continue to approach the defendant and gets in near proximity to the defendant when four more loud bangs are heard. Rosenbaum then falls to the ground. I like how obviously engaging in an attack becomes getting in near proximity. She quotes reporter Richard McGinnis as saying, McGinnis stated that he, McGinnis, has handled many ARs and that the defendant was not handling the weapon very well. Well, that's not what the gun experts who have actually looked at the video said. In fact, they generally commend both his handling of the gun and of keeping his cool, especially in what for him must have been a moment of blind panic, and he didn't hit anyone he did not intend to shoot. I don't even know why she's relying on McGinnis for so many things you can learn just by watching the videos. At any rate, McGinnis says nothing to contradict the claim that this was self-defense. In fact, quote, McGinnis said that the unarmed guy, Rosenbaum, was trying to get the defendant's gun. Again, under the law, grabbing someone's gun counts as being armed. Detective Cypress indicates that he asked McGinnis if Rosenbaum had his hands on the gun when the defendant shot. McGinnis said that he definitely made a motion that he was trying to grab the barrel of the gun. McGinnis stated that the defendant pulled it away and then raised it. 
McGinnis stated that right as they came together, the defendant fired. McGinnis said that when Rosenbaum was shot, he leaned in towards the defendant. Um, does that not describe an act of self-defense to a T? A group of several people began running northbound on Sheridan Road behind the defendant. Yeah, again, the operative word is chasing. A person can be heard yelling what sounds like, beat him up. Another person can be heard yelling what sounds like, hey, he shot him. Your complaint reviewed a fourth video that showed a different angle of the defendant running northbound. In this video, a person can be heard yelling, get him, get that dude. Okay, so you acknowledge that they were threatening him verbally. Then a male in a light-colored top runs toward the defendant and appears to swing at the defendant with his right arm. The swing makes contact with the defendant, knocking his hat off. Oh, so you do acknowledge an actual physical attack. The defendant then trips and falls to the ground. As the defendant is on the ground, an unidentified male wearing a dark-colored top and light-colored pants jumps at and over the defendant. A second person, who was later identified as Anthony Huber, approaches the defendant who is still on the ground on his back. Huber has a skateboard in his right hand. When Huber reaches the defendant, it appears that he is reaching for the defendant's gun with his left hand as the skateboard makes contact with the defendant's left shoulder. What have I been telling you people? What have I been saying for years to watch out for? The skateboard makes contact. Yeah, the skateboard did it. It acted all on its own. And it makes contact. No, the skateboard didn't make contact. Huber hit him with the skateboard. That's what happened. Huber appears to be trying to pull the gun away from the defendant. Another attack. The defendant rolls towards his left side, and as Huber appears to be trying to grab the gun, the gun is pointed at Huber's body. The defendant then fires one round, which can be heard on the video. Oh my god, lady, you're supporting self-defense here! After shooting Huber, the defendant moves to a seated position and points his gun at a third male, later identified as Gage Grosskreutz, who had begun to approach the defendant. When the defendant shot Huber, Grosskreutz freezes and ducks and takes a step back. Grosskreutz puts his hands in the air. Grosskreutz then moves towards the defendant, who aims his gun at Grosskreutz and shoots him, firing one shot. Grosskreutz was shot in the right arm. Grosskreutz appears to be holding a handgun in his right hand when he was shot. Yeah, that's a funny way of phrasing he pulled a gun and advanced on the defendant so the defendant shot him. And it's actually very clear in the video. He not only has what is clearly a handgun, but his finger is quite obviously on the trigger. But regardless, you're admitting that's what happened, and you're admitting this was self-defense. I mean, really, I don't know what a defense attorney would need for his case other than the complaint itself. Kenosha County is the same county that put Crystal Kaiser in jail for over two years, who is now out on bail and still awaiting trial for defending herself against sex trafficker Randall P. Volar III. Her case is eerily similar to Rittenhouse's in a lot of ways. It happened in the same jurisdiction. She was 17 at the time. The charges are very similar, and she was down on her back on the floor being attacked by Volar when she shot him in the head twice. And the Kenosha County DA's office is charging her with first-degree murder and seeking life in prison. The DA even called her a vigilante. 
So that gives you the idea of their twisted notion of justice. Also, Black Lives Matter as well, because they've been flooding her with donations, and her GoFundMe account is still up, while, well, you see what they're doing with Rittenhouse. In fact, one difference between the two cases is, since the gun she had was a pistol, it actually was illegal for her to carry, since the long gun exception that applies to Rittenhouse doesn't apply to her. But even if Rittenhouse is guilty of illegally possessing a firearm, and the law says he isn't, that does not in any way invalidate his self-defense claims, just as it should not invalidate Kaiser's claim. I mean, I really don't get this. All of the things Rittenhouse's defense attorney would need to prove self-defense are right there in the complaint. These stupid women tried to cover it up with doublespeak, but really, what were they thinking? So that just has to make the Kenosha County DA this week's well, that wraps up this. Actually, I was counting on a lot of missing edition of the Bogosity Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please keep this podcast going by subscribing and supporting in one of several different ways you can find at donate.bogosity.tv, including PayPal, cryptocurrency, or subscribing at Patreon or Subscribestar to listen early and ad-free. Also, please come to discord.bogosity.tv where you can join the discussion and post a question, statement, news article, or rant. Thank you for listening. Until next time, here's a quote from Charlton Heston. There are no good guns. There are no bad guns. Any gun in the hands of a bad man is a bad thing. Any gun in the hands of a decent person is no threat to anybody, except bad people. The Bogosity Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution on Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License. Bogosity. Do you have children or nieces or nephews? Are you homeschooling or just want to counter some of the socialist indoctrination most children get in school? If so, go to bogosity.tv slash Tuttle Twins and you'll be taken to a website where you can get some great books for elementary age children. The Tuttle Twins books are books about liberty and free market economics that include children's versions of Bastiat's The Law, Leonard Reed's I, Pencil, and Hayek's The Road to Serfdom, as well as books about the Federal Reserve and how regulations protect business cronies. They'll learn about the harm caused by eminent domain or regulations passed in the name of safety and fundamental concepts of liberty. And as you can see from the sample pages on the website, they're all easy to read and nicely illustrated. They're just $9.99 a piece, or get a special discount as well as free bonuses when you purchase all five. You can even buy in bulk to donate to schools and local libraries. So get the Tuttle Twins books at bogosity.tv slash Tuttle Twins.